What's up, guys? It's JR. Welcome to another edition of JR Off Air. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't. This is on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, wherever you're checking it out right now. Um, please subscribe. I appreciate it. I got a goal of trying to get to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. If you can, just look up JR Off Air on YouTube. Hey, so um, really excited to have this person on the show today. Uh, she's a friend of mine. I actually met her when she first got a record deal uh, from Nashville from a label called Big Machine. That's like Florida to line. Um, it was Valerie is like their sub label. But anyway, um, anyway, point is she's super talented. Uh, she actually lost that record deal, which was uh, a hard thing for her. But she has pressed on. She's gotten some huge reviews and some of the biggest papers around uh the world and on you know websites obviously because who reads papers anymore uh and she is pretty much the most country person i know and i love teasing her about that and she's as real as it gets all right so you're gonna have a good time with her today her name is tara thompson and she is on jr off air You. I'm great. How are it's you? It's good to see your smiling face. I haven't talked to you in so long. I put eyelashes on for you this morning. We appreciate that so much here at <laughs> JR Off Air Podcast yeah. um, Incorporated. Um, no, um, I am so excited to talk to you because you're one of my favorite people just because every time I see you, you are always smiling um, for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter. And uh, we've had some good laughs over the years, but um, Tell me, let's start from the beginning for people who don't know who you are or maybe not are super familiar with you. Tara Thompson from Chicago, Illinois, originally, correct? No. Yep. That's Where did you get Chicago from? I totally made that up. But anyway. Oh, I was, I was like, um, I'm from Tara, East Tennessee. Here's Tara, my tattoo. I know. Yeah. <laughs> did you really think I thought you were from Chicago? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I literally requested a horse on this show today and you sent me a picture of a horse because you do have horses. No, I didn't think you're from Chicago. Yeah. So no, again- Tara Gertrude Thompson, welcome to the show. Tara Dam Thompson, if you're feeling sassy. Yeah, all right, there you whatever go. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, tell me where you're from originally, East Tennessee, right? Did you I'm right smack dab where Dolly Parton's from. Really? Uh-oh. I can see you now. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. All right, cool. We're good? All right. Yeah. Love technology. Yeah, I'm from... I'm literally from like when you get off my exit to go home, it's like home of Dolly Parton. So that's where I'm from. Have you ever thought about spray painting that to uh, your name? I thought about just like climbing up there and putting like a little picture and be like, and Tara Thompson too. Why not? But, I mean, I'm scared of heights. So I'd have to get like a wingman to do that for me. Oh, there you go. You tall know. friends. You can get those. Yeah. Um, well, tell me, I mean, obviously being where you're from, I would think that uh, naturally you're drawn to country music, but when did you think that, you know, this is something I kind of want to do, or I, I, maybe I'm good at it. Like what, right. where did that come uh, for you? You know, I'm, so I have three siblings, so there's four of us okay. and all four of us are completely different. I, my mom always jokes, you came out of the womb singing or just everything, everything was a microphone and, uh, you know, my cousin's Loretta Lynn. So it kind of runs in the family. I grew up watching her, not realizing that like how big she was. And I just right. thought, who's this lady wearing friffy dresses? Like, why do people love her so much? And then, you know, the older you get, you realize, oh, she's the queen of country music. And just seeing how she interacts with the crowd and her sassiness and just tells it like it is. I'm like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, you know, 
born into it, really. Wow. I don't even remember. I don't know if I remember the whole Loretta, uh, Loretta Lynn uh, connection. I can't talk today. Loretta Lynn connection. I don't know if I, I don't remember that. I can break it down for you. It's pretty simple. So my grandma's dad and Loretta's dad were brothers. So they're first cousins. And then it just goes on down the line, but we have strong genes because we all got the same cheekbones. Wow. When I tell people she's my cousin, they're like, she's 89. How's she your cousin? I'm like, well, she's like my third cousin, but I'm pretty sure she married her third cousin and I'm related to him too. So, (laughs) well, it's fine. (laughs) Not all all family trees fork. It's fine. (laughs) Our family tree is all jacked up. And I'm like, yeah, it's a long story, but yeah. You turned out all right. Yeah, I guess. So, so when you saw this woman and you're kind of fascinated by your cousin or third mm-hmm. or fifth cousin, we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where did you think, okay, I want to do that. Like what, what draw you to that? And then what did you think? Maybe I can do this. I just, you know, I, for me being on stage is where I feel me the most. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I can't describe it. It's like, when I get up there, it's like, I got people in the palm of my hand. I don't know if I get that from her. It's Mm. just like whatever I say. And I, I'm one of those people that just wing it. I never plan what what I'm going to say. What am I going to, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I just come alive. It's one of those things that you're just like, I was born to do this and I'm still, I'm still trucking, you know, Yeah. still trucking along. Well, tell me about growing up. I mean, besides outside of music, what was life like for you as a, as little Tara? I mean, we're country folks raised, we got donkeys and horses and, you know, my mom, she's just tell it like it is, um, you know, always on four wheelers. We do four wheeler trips, bonfires. I mean, we're a people I feel like don't believe me until I bring them back home and they're like, Oh, your family's, your family's crazy, but a good crazy. Like we're just wild. And we're very like, come on in. Everyone's yeah. welcome here. You want a shot? You want a beer? It's just, that's how, that's who we are. <laughs> By the way, anybody who's just listening to this on podcast and not watching the video, she casually held up a bottle of Jack Daniels. Like, Oh, you want a shot? Like it's always ready. It's always on standby. I dug um, up in my cabinet. Look, you, you can see that a lot of it's been drained. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you really dug it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. It's right Great. There. So what's, um, you know, obviously I met you when you were on a radio tour coming through with your own music, but lead me to that point of a, of a record deal for you. So I used to sing downtown Nashville. Yes. I, have, I also have six dogs. So I mean, of course you do. Oh, there, there's one of them. His name's Aww. Billy. Hi, so Billy. Sometimes, sometimes my tattoo covers up Hill. Yeah. And it just says yeah. Billy. And I'm like, it's my dog. She has a tattoo, everybody of Tennessee. And it says Hillbilly <laughs> through it. This is, this is not and, a joke. She's not an actress. This is really Tara Thompson. If I ever become an actress, they're going to have to put some major concealer on this tattoo. It looks good. You got to rock it. No, but the the guy that tattooed me, he capitalized B. So people think Uh sometimes Billy's on my shirt, on my arm. And I'm like, oh no, it's actually Hillbilly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I grew up, I, I started singing in the bars downtown Nashville, passing the tip jar for like eight years. And they're four hour shifts. And I think... Honestly, like I remember when I first got my record deal, everyone was like, oh man, radio tour, it's going to, you know, it's going to kick your butt. It's going to be so hard. You're going to, it's, it's blah, all these things. And I loved radio tour. Like for me, everyone was always like, how are you always so happy and interject? And it's like, 
I don't know. I think that singing in bars and doing four hour shifts and I would do triple shifts, double shifts. I sang every week except for Sundays because that was dedicated to football and then NASCAR. <laughs> I'm like, I do not work on Sunday. <laughs> thought you were going to say the Lord, but okay. <laughs> and the Lord. I was like, all right, well, that's fine. That's one thing to do. <laughs> uh, and the Lord. Of course. I'm like, Gee, yeah, church, Jesus, NASCAR and football. I love um, it. But, you know, I did that for years and years and years. And then, you know, I slowly trucked my way over to music, music row. I kind of did it backwards, but I do, I am a firm believer of everything that happens for a reason. So the way I did it was the way I was supposed to do it. And I think it, it set me up for like, when I do perform, it's just, it's an easy thing for me. It's just like, Oh, you know, you go from singing four hour shifts to you got 30 minutes and I'm like 30 minutes. What? Yeah. Right. Or yeah, you know, and so I did that for years. And then when I got my record deal, when I signed with big machine, which I'm independent now, I'm all on my own. Um, it was, it was game changer. It was like my life just turned upside down. I went from doing four hour shifts, passing a tip jar to flying, driving every state, mm-hmm. popping in, you know, you know how it is. That's how I met you. So. Well, for some people that don't know how a radio tour works, if like you're a new artist or whatever, you get signed a deal and they say, wait, we want you to introduce you to everybody in radio. It's because that's potentially who, where you want your song to be played, obviously on the radio for exposure and all that. So someone like Tara will, you know, get signed and then they say, all right, we're going to take you now to meet everybody that you need to meet. And it's, and by the way, you're going to perform in everywhere and everything from a backseat of a car to a conference room to maybe there might be a performance studio for you, or maybe in the middle of a restaurant. Uh, so I literally, and here's a name drop. I was literally talking to Ashley McBride about this. Uh, last week I saw her open for Luke, Luke Combs and she sang for myself and my old boss in a steakhouse wow. in the middle of everybody. And as you know, Ashley doesn't sing quietly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so she was like belting out like, and God bless her for it belting it out. And I was like, just that you have to, and that's so hard because you're getting 15 minutes with a program director who's a programming station. And I, and I really, I really try to see it from your side as you're getting to meet us. You're trying to see how we respond to your music. You're trying to sell us on your personality as well and your music. And it's, everything's out of context. It's like auditioning yeah. for a role where you're going to be in Titanic yet. You're just sitting in a chair, no water around, you no boat, no nothing. You have to pretend right. that everything else is going around. I mean, that, I can, that seems terrifying to me. Jack, I'm flying. I'm like, yeah. no, no, that's a great way of putting it. It's like you're in a, an audition and you're trying to get these people's attention and you're just like, you're telling your story, but you only got so much time. Right. And then it's like, all right. And you're trying to get your song added and you're competing with everybody. I just never treated it like a competition. I was mm-hmm. just like, you know what? I'm going to give them me and I'm going to be all of me. Take it or leave it type right. deal. You know, do they give you coaching? I mean, this is a, I, I mean, I've never been on the artist side of it. Do they coach you up at all? Of like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Or it is what we recommend or, you know, I can't, I don't remember if I had, I think for, I don't know. I don't think I did do coaching. I think they kind of told me like, listen, you're going to be in awkward situations. You're going to be just like you said, you may be mm-hmm. singing in a steakhouse or, right. you know, if you're going to be in this room where some people are not even going to be paying attention to you and you're sitting there like, hello, yeah. hi, Hey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like an audition, which is kind of intimidating. You're going into this room and then sometimes it's just dead quiet and you're just like, hello. 
and Johnny Cash. Like it's like that type of deal where you're just like, okay, I just have a good way of people think I'm funny for some reason. So I just get them with that. And my songs themselves are just, I can make people laugh real easy. So I break the ice and then it's just wing it. I think for big machine, they're probably pretty nervous with me. Cause like, you need to rehearse what you're going to say. And I'm like, Oh, I don't do that. Like I got it. And they're like, well, you got to kind of like have an idea. And I'm like, just trust me. Mm. Yeah. I, got uh, I definitely think you got it. I think you... my first radio visit was in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Full circle. It was <laughs> your hometown. <laughs> Yeah, my hometown, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that had to be, geez, that had to be kind of intimidating too, a big city like that. You're like, all right, are people going to get me in it a was. city like that? Well, and you know, actually Chicago was a great one because they're in, in New York, New York out of all the states, that was the first station that I heard play me on the radio. Mm-hmm. I remember being in the car and my radio, my rep, he was like, they're about to play your song. And I'm like, Whoa. wow. And, I had no idea there was rednecks and hillbillies in New York. They're everywhere. They they're everywhere. Right. And if anything, New York was the one state that like craved country music. So I was like, this is weird. This is opposite of what I thought. Texas, I think was the hardest because it's Texas, you know? Right. No, I, no, I hear you. I think with, like you said, uh, it's all like kind of supply and demand. Like there's not a whole lot of options in New York city to get country music. Now there's not one as a matter of fact, uh, right. that station went away, but, but yeah, the, the thing is, I think that people do crave that. And we always say, we, you know, we use the redneck term endearingly, but it's like, if someone's always told me that, Hey, there's rednecks everywhere. If you go to Nashville, downtown Nashville, you'd be like, wait, this is not what I thought country was all about. Cause it's very commercialized. It's a kind of a mini Vegas. Oh, you get 100%. outside there kind of maybe where you live and all that. It's like, Oh, now I get it. You know? <laughs> so, you know, just Austin's the same way. Austin's a very cool city but it's not what you imagine Texas being mm-hmm. when you see it. So um, I totally get you're saying that and, and what you're saying about that. And you know, when I met you, I don't think it really was that you were that funny. I just, you were just going to drink me under the table. And I just was a little intimidated to be honest with you. You know, and that's another thing, which I'm not proud of, but <laughs> my days at Tootsie's like the guy that ran to, he'd always be like, you are the smallest person and you can drink everybody under the table to where people will be like, are you taking fake shots? Like, is that, and I'm like, no, <laughs> hell wow. no. <laughs> Did you work there or just play there? I, well, that was my job was I worked, I would do 10 to two shifts, take a break, go do the six to 10 and then 10 to close all the time. Like playing or bartending singing, singing. Oh my gosh. Music just nonstop work for tips. I mean, I had a wad of cash every night that I walked away with. Did you have any legendary pop-ins? When you were doing that, Tootsie's, by the way, is a bar that's right on um, Broadway in Nashville. It's iconic. Never been there. People like Miranda Lambert pop in there and stuff like that. So oh, I yeah. didn't. Do you have any, uh, you know, like some crazy pop ins while you're playing? All the time. Terry Clark used to pop in all the time. I saw one time, this is insane, Chris Christofferson popped wow. in. And I was like, I'm obsessed. Uh, Joe Nichols, I remember he, I was singing and he um, took the mic and like got up on the bar and sang. And I was just like, what is that sounds like Joe. Like you go up to him. You're like, you want to tip the band? Uh, This is Joe Nichols. Okay. Right. I love that. (laughs) A lot of them, but yeah. You know, I think, I I think also something going back to the record thing, record label thing is people think that's what, when that happens, it's good. You're solid. You're set. And uh, it's really not how it is. There's a lot of artists that get signed by deals 
And sometimes it's, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this, but I think it's kind of low risk for them. Cause it's like, all right, all the, all you can do is potentially be great for them. Right. And if you miss or whatever they, or that you guys don't line or whatever you want to call it, it's really a, a small risk for them. But for you, it probably felt like a big break. Right. Or did you kind right. of know that with your lineage that eh, it may, this may work out, this may not work out. Oh, I went in there thinking, you know, I've made it. There's, I, you know, you hear the stories where artists get dropped. I was like, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not going to happen to me. And my, like, I would say my biggest advice to someone who did does just get a record deal is just know that you're replaceable and right. be you hundred percent buck up when they try to like, you should do this. Be like, that's not me. Or, or, or at least don't be quiet. Like I, I learned so much from big machine and they gave me so many opportunities that I would have never gotten. Um, but at the same time, there's some things that I wish I would have been like, I don't want to record that song. I'd rather record this song. And I was just like, okay. Cause I was so scared of like, no, no, no. I don't want to piss anyone off or I don't want them. But uh, that would be my advice to someone is be you to a freaking T. And if you don't know who you are, then you're not ready to be shopping for a record deal. Because if you're just trying to, you know, fit in with everyone else, how does that make you different? Um, because everyone, and I did learn because when I lost my record deal, I thought my life was over. I went through the seven stages of grieving. Sometimes to this day, I mean, it's been, I think it's been three or four years. I'll still get upset talking about, I'm like, are we about to cry right now? (laughs) No, but it's just, it's one of those things where you just have to know that you're, you're replaceable and know what you want to say. Don't, don't shop for a record deal because you want to be famous. Do it because you have something to say and you want to change someone's life with your music, Right. you know? No, I love that because uh, it's, it's, I mean, that you are in the majority of what happens in this, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. And it's all, all about how you rebound from this type of thing. So and I don't even know if I want to call it a rebound. I think it's more of a pivot really. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, cool. I'm going to go do this a different way. The goal is still the same. Let me just go do this a different way. So how did you see, where was your reevaluation after being dropped? What do you say? Okay. What's my, what's my strategy going to be? And, and, you know, when I got dropped, I lost everything. The manager that I had just signed with, he was actually right beside me when I got dropped. It was mm. a complete one of those things where I'm like, say what, what just yeah. happened? You're, you're, you're what? And then he dropped me. My publishing dropped me. Um, my agency let me go. Like I had nothing. And I was like, everyone's going to forget about me. Like, and then, but I would say the most, the, the biggest thing that I took from that deal was my rhyme radio connections. I was so good on radio tour because I actually cared about the people and still reached out to them that I still had them reaching out to me like you, like, what are you doing? Send me your yeah. song. Where are you? And that like helped me get through it. Cause I'm like, people still care. And so it's, it's just a matter of it, if you're good enough to get a record deal and, and, you know, someone saw that potential in you that's going to invest that money in you, then you can't quit. You have, right. if you're born to do this and you're doing it for the right reasons, then you have to keep going. Right. Otherwise, yeah. well, that was a waste of almost 20 years I've put in this, you know? So well, it's a, yeah, it's, it's so true because we get a lot of people that call, I mean, it sounds crazy, but we get people that call the radio station. Hey, we guys play my song. How do I go about getting my song on the radio? And I don't necessarily have the, the greatest answer for that. I mean, I think it's a lot of luck and opportunity coming together, 
But what's your play now as far as I mean, radio is ne not necessarily the goal anymore, really. I mean, and I mean, that's great. And it's a business that I'm in, but also I'm not dumb to think about how people consume music. So how, what's your strategy now of how you're going to do things and how you distribute your music now? I think it's just being consistent and the, the cool thing I mean, I wish I still had the money that the label put behind mm -hmm. me. That's, that's a huge factor that you're like, dang. Um, but I've learned how to find a distributing company, how to, and it's, it's more about like, you know, you build these fans over the years. Like I have almost 500,000 followers on Facebook. So you have to give those people content, right. which, which is like such a job in itself. But the more you're like, persistent with that. And, and you, when you are independent, you don't have someone to be like, what do you think of this song? It's like, if you just put it out, it, right. which is kind of scary because people don't realize like, when are you putting new music out? And I'm like, it's not just that simple. Sure. Once you put a song out, you put all this work in and they're like, well, what's next? And I'm like, what's next? That took forever. <laughs> like, right. oh. um, Jesus, this is, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's so real. It's so real. If people ever thought you were joking about being country, it's so great. I'm like, Billy, I had to dig a 600 foot trench, not me personally, me and my dad, just to get internet out here because I live in a cabin in the middle of the woods. Like it's. You're Tara. It's yeah. You I'm are Tara. <laughs> that is it. But it you know is. Going back to your, um, what you mentioned about your Facebook following and your social media following. What I like about that. And what I like about that is that from a marketing standpoint that you probably don't get with a label is it is hyper-focused you. These are people that are consuming you yeah. and are coming for you. You flip on a radio station. Um, I think a programmer's job is to try to sum up the radio station in three songs, every three songs you hear. So if it's mm -hmm. a, a poppy sounding or an older country song or a, a recurrent or whatever, they're trying to do it in that way. I'm coming to Tara for Tara's music. So I think there's an advantage in that a little bit. I mean, obviously the money part of it and be able to produce stuff and the time and stuff like that it takes, but, yeah. and you know, obviously money and promotion, all that's a big deal. But I mean, with a, with a following like that, I mean, you really can market to exactly what your fans want to hear. Exactly. Give them what they want. Um, but don't tell them what this, but you know, and then another thing is radio is always changing. They're not, mm -hmm. they're always playing different thing. I think Chris, Chris Stapleton is a great, great example of that mm -hmm. because he was one of those guys that people were like, why are y'all not playing this guy? Why right. are you not playing this guy now that, you know, um, and then the female thing, that's always a struggle, but I honestly, it, everything's going to be challenged. If it's not a challenge, then, you know, I don't right. even know how to say that, but I, I'm one of those women. I hate playing the victim card. I hate when they're like, well, they won't play female, put good stuff out and people will want it eventually it, I think it all comes around in full circle. And if you're, if you're being real and people can relate to you, like mm -hmm. these damn dogs, <laughs> then it's going to happen. Right. If it's not happening, it's because you need to reevaluate yourself. Really. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Besides a trench to get better internet as your internet cuts out. I don't know why, because I have great internet. I have like five. Well, according to who the guy that lives in a shack next door or what? My neighbors, I'm like, Yodala, yeah, the guy on the other end of the Campbell's soup can, that guy, you're saying, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is this thing on? Yeah. Ricola. Now, um, but what are you up to now? What are you working on? What's going on? What's the plan? Well, I have a full album recorded. I put a few songs out myself already from that album, but mm. I just shot two music videos for songs. Um, 
for a guy, a guy named Carl Jackson came all the way from California just because, um, a guy that believed in me, I'm like, I got a low budget, but by God, I swear to God, if you, if you, you build people around you that believe in what you do, right. people are willing to help because they're like, okay, she's got it. She wants it. And she wants it for all the right reasons. And a lot of these songs on this upcoming album is probably songs that a label would never, they'd be like, you can't put that out. That's radio's not going to play that. I stopped thinking that way. I'm like, play it or not. People are going to come to it. And I feel like people can relate to my music because it's so it's genuine and it's real. And it's, it's a lot of these new songs are, I think I sent you one of my songs called the circus and that song, I never thought people would actually relate to because for me, that song's from the music business point of view. Like I, when I play it live, I always tell this joke. I'm like, it took me 10 years to get a record deal and only three years to lose the damn thing. And people mm. are like, Oh my God. And it makes them pay attention to the song. But that song, I had people coming, messaging me, coming up to me, like, where are you going to put that song, the circus out? Because they relate to it. I'm like, there's another one. I love there's the dog. <laughs> I love the dogs happening. <laughs> They relate to it being a doctor, being a lawyer, being a teacher, like welcome to the circus. Any, any dream that you want to pursue, it's not going to be easy. There's always going to be bumps and challenges in the road. Um, but that's, that's part of it. And so that song I'm going to put out in the beginning of next year. And I actually recorded, um, I did the video in Loretta's dressing room. Wow. has a really cool, it's literally like the mirror light. And I'm basically singing to myself, like everybody wants to run away and join the circus, you know? Absolutely. But it ain't easy. It's not so easy. I, I, I have my funny, my sense of humor, my funny songs in there, but I have a lot of really deep, like, oh, she's been through something mm -hmm. and she's telling us about it. Like people are like, where have you been? What have you been going? I'm like, stay tuned because my songs speak for themselves. It tells you everything. So, yeah. So what's day to day for you? I mean- you're not on if you're not on a tour or you're not playing a show every night like what is what does life look like for you i mean i kind of know what it looks like on instagram oh but God. it's nuts like well i i have a stepdaughter now 10 days a month and she's she's a full-time job mm -hmm. and i've got horses that's who knew i've always grown up around horses and they've always just been there but having to take care of them i'm like this is like Holy cow. There's What's always something. It's a holy horse. Really? Holy horse. Like, yeah. And these dogs, six dogs. It's like, that's even a job, but my morning starts at 6am. They mm. all went out, you know, and then cool stuff like this, getting to be a part of your podcast. But I feel like I'm nonstop. I'm like a clean freak too. I'm one of those people uh -huh. that's constantly cleaning some cleaning everything. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> How much land do you live on? We live on seven acres. We actually board our horses down the street Okay. Just because I'm in the woods, the grass here, it's like moss. Mm, <laughs> I'm like, okay. there is no grass for horses, right. <laughs> but yeah, we're it's, it's very peaceful out here. I do. I, I've been writing a lot, mm -hmm. lots of songwriting. I'm already writing for the next album and I haven't even put this album out. So, so what's gigging look like for you right now? Like, where are you playing? I've been playing a few like acoustic gigs, uh, my friend, Aaron Enderlin, I don't know if you know, Aaron Enderlin, she's awesome. Um, she's written songs for Alan Jackson and Leanne Womack and Luke Bryan. And wow. she's doing her own artist thing now. And she's country. I mean, we're both, that's one thing that 
I think scares people or at least record deals, record labels. They're like, you're too country, too country. And I take that as a compliment now. I'm like, you know what? People want country. Sure. And we're kind of doing that. And she always brings me along on her cool gigs. She's been doing this thing called wild heart Wednesdays at third and Lindsley. And I'll do a lot of acoustic gigs, but really for the most part, I haven't been out on the road. I feel like everyone's fighting for the same gig and that's just not my game right now. My, my game is putting stuff out on social media and just putting stuff out. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I think it's a good point that you make about, um, um, just being the whole thing where you say like, people say, Oh, you're too country. I really do think that country music and you can look back at it over the years is, is being such a cycle of, Mm -hmm. You come, you have, you know, your, your Alan Jackson's and then the timeline will be messed up. If I say this, but like your Alan Jackson's, then the big pop will be like a Carrie Underwood rascal flats. And then it'll come back to, uh, you know, give me an artist here, just the, the timeline, you know, of how yeah. it kind of cycles back. And I think we're coming to the point where people do miss, I would call the traditional sound of country yeah. music. That's IE Stapleton or somebody like that or yourself. And I think it's, I think sometimes it's hard for uh, labels to market that and figure out how to do that. And I also think it's hard for radio programmers to figure out how to find their audience in that because it's so diverse because of this huge spectrum of music that falls under the country blanket. Some people will disagree. We get complaints all the time, you know, from listeners saying, oh, that's not country or that is country or why don't you play this song? Well, it's not, you know, going back and forth. I feel like there's a, I feel, and I'm hoping that traditional sound, there's going to be a huge lane opening up for that. I, I feel that too. Like I really do believe with all my heart that you're correct. Everything mm-hmm. cycles back around and there should be more variety. Like not everybody, you got your pop country, you got yeah. your, your country country, your Miranda Lambert, you know, they all, everybody should have their own lane. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate when people try to like, write for radio. And I'm like, don't do that. Just, just write something real and catchy that people can relate to. And you're gonna, you know, you're going to be relatable in that sense. If you're being real, I swear with country music, especially country music fans, they can smell fake from a mile away. So, you know, I hate to, I'm saying the word real, 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 but my God, that's what you gotta be. That's what country music is. It's, it's, for me, I grew up listening to Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson and, and Merle Haggard. And it's just, you don't hear those kind of songs anymore. And I've been pretty persistent on being traditional country. Yeah. I've got steel guitar, banjo. I mean, it's, it's in there. So. I mean, what are you going to, I mean, honestly, what are you going to do? Be fake. I mean, it's hard to do that. I mean, you're, I mean, you're definitely not that type of person, but no. I, I, if you start writing for other people or you're writing, to fit a different mold. I just don't feel, and people could say, well, what well, works? I sold out a stadium or whatever, but I feel like the Florida Georgia lines of the world, this is not a knock to them by any means. People would go, Oh, that's a bro country. Whatever. I, I say to myself, those guys have figured out a niche that works for them. And they have, they sell out a hundred thousand seat yeah. stadiums. Good for them. Kenny Chesney, completely different old dominion, completely different for, for them. But Stapleton could do the exact same thing. And he, people freak out over him. So it's like, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand why you'd want to write for somebody else or, or not, not write for something, you know what I'm saying? Like write in a way that's not true to you. Um, and I feel like the biggest challenge ever would be like, Hey Tara, please come write for an artist that is so different from you. I feel like that would be really tough too. Wouldn't it? Right. 
It, it is tough. I, and usually when people pitch me songs, which it's, it's hard to pitch me songs because I write my songs. I would, I would totally cut an outside song, but it would have to be, I'd have to really be like, I feel like I wrote this right. and every artist that you just mentioned is completely different. Right. Like Kenny Chesney it, whoa, and yeah. Chris Staple, they don't even compare to each other. And that's right. what's so cool. And you know, another artist that I always thought had the best songs out of everybody and he's freaking country is Billy Currington. Oh, the best. He, he has the best freaking songs. Yeah. And in their country. If anybody so, can ever find him, right. I mean, he's either in Key West or yeah. the mountains or in Hawaii. We don't know, but he's, <laughs> but there's got, that's pretty uh, low stress guy. I feel like pretty low stress dude. But right. And that's the cool, but because he has so many amazing songs, he doesn't even need to play shows right. because he puts such good music out. It's like, he can live that life. Because, Absolutely. You know, it's all about it's for me, it's good songs. It's, yeah. It's the sad songs that you feel that you want to cry and, and the songs that are, you know, turnip greens, like, come on, that's yeah. a story. You're telling a story from the top to the bottom. Absolutely. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. I think, what are some, uh, who are some big songwriters that you would shout out in Nashville right now that are, that are pretty amazing to you? Cause I always, I, I kind of nerd out and this is what kind of, this is the reason why I did this podcast. I like talking to people and not just country music. I was talking to a friend that's in the plain white tees that wrote for some other artists, but also wrote rhythm of love for playing white tees. And that one song changed his whole life. Um, who are some artists that you think get that may have some big records that I I may know the records, but don't know the writers behind in Nashville that people should look up. Cause I think writing credit, looking at writing credits is very interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I bring up Erin Enderland again, because she's one of those people that if you know her, if she has like diehard fans and then some people are like, I've never heard of her, but mm. my God, that girl can write a freaking song. She wrote Monday morning church for Alan Jackson. Oh wow. And last call for Liam Womack. And she wrote one of my favorite Luke Bryan songs from the very beginning. It's called, you don't know Jack. And it's talking about this homeless guy saying, you don't know Jack Daniels. Like he lost his family and it, she has a clever freaking way of, yeah. of, of, wording things. She, you can take an idea to her and you're like, Oh, I would have never thought to write it that way. And then my friend, Alex Klein, she just, she got a number one with Tennille arts and she's now starting to like do her own thing. But that girl, she can play every instrument she produces. She can mix songs, write them. Um, and then Kelly Archer is another artist. She wrote uh, my song with me and Al Anderson called my dogs are home. And she's just, she's killer. There's, there's so many, um, Jeffrey Steele, which I don't know if you know him, but he's written a thousand number ones, rascal flat number ones, Tim McGraw, and just gosh, the list goes on with him. Yeah. There's just so many people that you're like, Oh my God. I remember when I first wrote with him, I walked in the building and I'm, I didn't, I felt like an idiot not knowing who Jeffrey Steele was. And then you walk in his building and there's just plaques of like George Strait covered that, that, right. that. And I'm like, Oh, Whoa, this yeah. guy's written a lot of freaking songs. And then, you know, that's where I really got into the songwriting world. Cause I wasn't really into the, I didn't know much of songwriters. I wrote with a lot of really big songwriters that I had no clue, which yeah. was probably a good thing because I would be like, Terry, you're writing with so-and-so today. And I'm like, okay. And then I show up and it's like, I don't even know who the guy is till the end after we're done. And it yeah. actually worked out in my favor because they're like, you didn't 
you know, people go in there all intimidated and I'm just like, Hey, what's up? I'm Tara Thompson. I got this idea and it's just, you you gotta be that way. You do. Um, but I legit really didn't know these people. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's pretty amazing what these songwriters, the people behind the scenes, you're just like, Oh yeah. You know, a big name that people, I mean, you can look Google's names and he's on TV now, Shane McAnally. That was a name that I had always heard. And that's kind of like the upper upper echelon of songwriters. But I thought he said something that was pretty humbling. He goes, I happen to be in in the right room a few times when like a Casey Musgrave says, you know, yeah, I want to write a a song called Space Cowboy, but it's not that it's I need, you can have your Space Cowboy. And he's like, you said that in front of me? Like he said that on TV one time and I was like, wow, just talk about right place, right time. And then you, I mean, I just think the whole, when creative minds get together like that, that's an amazing thing. I mean, have you had any, you know, kind of um, situations like that where you're like, oh my God, that's a good idea. Let's, let's develop this. I mean, I guess that's how all songwriting works, but you know what I'm saying though? Like something that kind of came out of thin air. Right. Okay. So that happens to me a lot. Like I'll, I'll go into co-writes and be like, I don't know what the hell am I going to bring to this table? And usually this is, this happens all the time. Uh, for instance, I have this song on my album called I don't sing love songs and it's a waltz, believe it or not, people can slow dance to it. And it came out for me going, I just, I don't want a man bash and I don't sing love songs. And like, that's what we're going to write. I don't know. Uh, and it, a lot of it just happens with talking. Like right. you don't have to go in and be like, I have this idea and this idea. It's just, let's just talk for a minute and get to know each other. And usually something that I spit out, they're like, what you just said, is what we're gonna write and i'm like what did i right. what did i just say and then you write it so that happens a lot i think people go into co-writes all like well what idea and it's like just treat it as like a you're a hang yeah you're just hanging some some songs you don't have to finish that day you can circle back and you, you know you got a good one when you're like you know some some are hard to finish and you you finish them a year later you circle back and you're like this song took a freaking two years to write but right. You know, but I mean, a lot a guy, of it's just a conversation. I think, I think a guy who's very conversational in his songs and also, um, you know, just taking common phrasing would be Luke Combs. I mean, if you look at his titles, oh, yeah. like Cold as You or Hurricane or, you yeah. know, Career After All, it's like, well, yeah, these are all things I've heard a bunch. Didn't know you were going to make a song about it, but, it, right. you know, I think sometimes the simpler things cut through the most. Exactly. The simpler things cut through the most. You're right. You can use that, by the way, if you want. As a song yeah, title. I'm like the simpler things. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> I'll cut you in on that one. Thank you. Words a third, I heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, I'm so happy I got to talk to you. I miss you a ton because you're the best. And uh, last time I saw you, uh, I, you won't remember it, but it was after the CMAs. I remember yeah. that. Was it at Losers Winners Bar? It might have been. It was. I think it was a William Morris party or something. something yes, it like was. That. Yeah, I saw you and then Cole Swindell right after you. And, um, uh, it was pretty funny though. I remember you, that we took a shot. We did. It, uh, yeah, we did. Now I don't remember that part, but yes, no, we did. The pickleback was our thing. That was the first time we met. We took a pickleback shot and, uh, yeah, that was, we've been friends ever since. No, I, I just love you. you. You've always been like my favorite and you're just so down to earth. And I remember our, when I, when we first met, we went to where did we go? A Wait, it was a hibachi, hibachi, hibachi yes. type place. Yeah. They cook in front of me and they'd sucky, sucky. Oh, we did those yeah. nasty oh, yeah. shots and you yeah. had that. Did you have a big truck then? 
I did have truck. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I didn't have a lot of shots because I was driving. That's right. That's true. And so you guys did. And then I took you and our friend, Ashley Sedoti back to your guys' hotel. Oh drop God, you I off. That's, yeah. that's right. You're and right. there was a person I was dating at the time was not very happy about that. Yes, we, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was that. I was like, I'm taking these people home, dropping them off. This is what's happening, but <laughs> that is what it is. Although we would have been married in another life. Absolutely, we're just, absolutely. We're just together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you being from Chicago and all. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite <laughs> things about you. Well, yeah. I mean, what's what? I I, I want to know more about um before I let you go. What's going on? If you don't mind talking about what's going on in your personal life, what's 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 what are you doing? I'm just hanging. I'm trying. I'm like always constantly working on my next. Are we hitched now or what? I did get married. I got okay, married I was like, in I Vegas. Okay. I was like, did I miss something? I'm, I'm not divorced yet. No, I'm just getting my husband. Wow. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're good to get. He's, he's 15 years older than me. And I, I always said, I, I basically did the opposite, which this is another thing. Never say never. I said, I would never date a guy that much older than me ever. I never date a guy with kids. I dated someone 15 years older. And I also said I would never get married. Got married. Yeah. Got a stepdaughter. And our wedding was freaking hilarious. We went to Vegas and had Elvis marry us. Perfect. And our vows were like, I'll never leave you at the Heartbreak Hotel. And it's, I have all this on camera. It is, we were, I almost missed the wedding because there's a wedding right after. It's like, ready, 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 right. ready. I was so hung over. I made all these rules like, Hey, I can't cause we had 20 people. It was during COVID. So you can only have so many people. Right. And I had my crazy mom. Who's just like sassy. I don't even know how we didn't get kicked out of Vegas with her right. being there. Um, and we all, you know, I was like, we can't drink the night before and we're going to be peer pressured because you know how my mom is and everyone that's coming. <laughs> and I ended up being the one that was like, Right. Like almost missed the wedding. I woke up and was like, <laughs> today, what time yeah. is it? And it was just, it was hilarious. It, What's it was funny that show. I found in my life is that anytime you say, I'll never do that again, it usually happens. It's like, yeah. never say never is almost like you're cursing yourself. If you say that, like, I'll never, boom, it's, it'll happen. It's really weird. Or you'll be uh, presented with that, that opportunity again. But I, yeah, I couldn't adore you more. I'm so happy for you. And um, you're the greatest. Please come to, no matter, and by the way, I said I'd never live in Florida again. I live in Florida again. <laughs> you're back. Oh you're my back. goodness gracious. So anyway, but we got to link up somewhere if it's Nashville or or uh, me feeding your horses or whatever. Or chasing um, around your six crazy dogs. I'll come say hi to They're Billy. Crazy. Bill, he's down here about my feet right now. All right, well, plug all your socials so people can check you out because I want them to because you're amazing. Okay, it's just, I think my Instagram is Tara Thompson Music. And then they all got the blue check mark. There's a lot of fake, you know, everyone makes those fake accounts. I have one, yeah, I have a fake Tara. They all do that. Yeah, yeah. Are, is that you? That's me, yeah. I run oh, all those burner accounts for you. <laughs> yeah, make me feel, my family yeah. be like, hey, you got another fake account, you know, you've made it. And I'm like, yeah. No, it's not that, it's but it's, it's Tara Thompson music on Facebook and then Tara Thompson, just Tara Thompson on Instagram. Right. With the blue check yeah. mark, with the blue check mark. And there will, there will be a, a photo of a horse at some point on I that. To, yeah. I well, I mean, literally I asked her, I think I said this at the beginning of the podcast when I said, Hey, there better be a horse behind you. 
when we do this interview and you literally sent me a video of a horse. I literally right was driving back from the horses. And if, I had, <laughs> if I had service, by God, there would be a horse right here, right now. <laughs> that would be amazing. We'll do it another time. You have to dig, dig another trench. Please. We'll figure it out. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on being married. Uh, congratulations on this new album. When's this dropping? Sometime in the beginning of like right at the top of next year, January, happy new year. Bam. Here's a new song. How do you calculate that? By the way, that's a, that's a question I have for you. How do you decide? All right, I want to put it out now. It's really hard. Actually. That's another thing. I'm, I'm actually struggling with that because it's all about planning. You really have to, you know, I, I sat down with a lady not too long ago and she was like, give people a new song every six months. And I'm like, okay, that's a good plan. That's consistent. Yeah. So, you know, so the first song's coming out in January and then we'll talk to you again in July. I mean, what, yes. what's happening? I have all the song I have. You're going to love this album. It's all, I want to hear it. It's I'll send it to you. Really like, early release. Early release. Yeah, I feel special <laughs> right now. Only you get it though. All right. I won't put it out. Maybe I'll put, you know, maybe I'll give Tara, uh, out yes. to people every six months. Be like, oh. Hey guys, I got another one for you six months from now. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why are these songs? <laughs> one quick thing Yes, is I have, I don't know if you've listened to this, but we're going into the holiday season. I wrote um, a Christmas album a couple years ago and it was the first thing I put out independently as like, what do I do? Put this out. And it made the New York times, the LA times, Seattle. It's funny, Inca right? I was like, what the heck's happening right yeah. now? It's like, I was up there with John Legend and Mariah Carey, Tara Thompson, Hillbilly Christmas. And I'm like, how did the word hillbilly make it in the New York Times? How did you get a tattoo of it the same right? way? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, usually that's what people are like, in jail, a hillbilly got arrested, which right. nor confirm or deny whether that's happened to me or not. But you got to go listen to this album. It's Hillbilly Christmas. And All right. It's awesome. So that's hey, my love you to death, kid. You're the love best. You too. Good to see you. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. All right, sounds All good. Right.